running out is the name of this series. And it was built on the idea that God has a lot and the Bible has a lot to say about our time and, and how God looks at time has got to be uniquely different than the way we look at time because God created time. You have to remember that like. And scientists have discovered this and figured this out, that the universe has a singular starting point. They figured that out. They're like, this thing has not been eternal. This thing has a starting point. And at the starting point of the universe, it seems as though God is, is at that moment kind of kicked into gear the, the concept of time. And so God does not live in time. God lives outside of time. Therefore, he is timeless. So when he looks at you, he can literally look at your past, present, and future in one glance and he just sees everything. And that's mind-blowing to think about. And you say, how does that work? And we like, I don't even know because you're not God and don't even worry about it. So... This idea called time is a fascinating thing because what we've determined is, is that really time is a stewardship. How many know it's not something that you own, it's something that you've been given. You have it for a short period of time. You have it, as James says, it's like a mist and a vapor. One minute it's here and then poof, it's gone. And for whatever reason, we discovered this on week number one, like the, the early part of your life seems to move really, really slow. But the latter part of your life seems to fly by and we talked about why and so the bible says that because time is always one of those things that is so valuable so precious it's a stewardship it's gone so quickly because as job said your life is is, is just it's just like a quick wand of a weaver's thing it was just it was just gone in light of the fact that it's so short that means you need to take extra special careful look at it so moses said it like this he goes you need to even have like a prayer And his prayer was like this teach us lord to number our days, because your days are numbered, right? You don't have forever. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Care about your time. And then last week, we, how many of you were not here last week? You were not here last week? I want you to know, I did a visual illustration, and I never do those on Sunday morning. I had rocks up here. I had these buckets and these rocks. And we learned one big principle, and it was this principle here, is that priority determines capacity. Can we, can we just say that again? Everybody say Priority determines capacity. Okay. Y'all are sluggish and I need either more Red Bull passed out for communion or I just need y'all to like jump on. Everybody say this together. Everybody say priority determines capacity. Like if you really want to get the most out of your time, the idea of getting the most out of your time is, is definitely not adding. It's probably not even subtracting. The key is priority. That the big rock must go in first. And when the big rock goes in first and all the other big, most important rocks go in first, the rest of life fits. And that when we put all the little things into life first, we end up not having enough time. And that's why we get to the end of our life and we have regrets because we think, wow, I didn't put the right things in the right places because we failed to remember this principle. Priority determines capacity. Today, we're going to look and kind of continue this journey, and this will be our last week as we talk about time. And again, very, very practical day. I'm going to actually share with you three things that you already know. You, you at least know these things. You maybe have never consciously thought about them, but when, you, when I hear them, you're not going to be like blown away. You're not going to be like, Todd, you are brilliant. You should write a book. You're not going to say that. You're going to say, well, well I mean, yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share with you three things that you know, but if you don't do them and if you don't do them and you haven't done them, you feel guilty about them. And I want you to know there's no guilt or shame in this room. I don't want you to walk out of this place feeling guilty at all. There are three things that I'm going to share with you that if you will think about your wife or your kids or other people that you care, you'll really wish they listened to this principle. You ever felt like that when you listen to it? Like you, it's a principle that we don't always adhere to. But we really, really wish our kids did, or we really, really wish our spouse did. There are three things that are incredibly important as it regards or in regards to how we look at and how we treat our time. So before we begin and go any further, let's bow our heads and pray. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would be among us, Lord God, that you'd stir it up within us, that you'd stir up our thoughts, that you'd stir up, God, our daily activities, how we look at our time, the things that consume our time, how we are living our life. God, we pray that we would take these words that are holy words and God, that we would open up our heart and let them just come on in. Let them soak in. Let them change the way we think. Let them change the way that we live, Lord God. Let us trust that you know best, that Father knows best. And God, if we'll just trust you, that God, we will see incredible blessing in our life, God. That is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said? Amen. All right, so here we go. Three things that you already know, but we probably or many of us don't do. And the first one is this, is that there is a cumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over a long period of time. How many would agree with that? How, now, that's a complicated statement. So there, there is a cumulative value, meaning like it builds up. The value builds up when you invest small amounts into certain activities over a long period of time. Let, let, let's talk about a few things that we would talk about here. I'm going to get one out of the way that nobody wants to talk about. Like exercises like that, right? Yeah, I know. It's like, we don't want to talk about that. So, so like exercises like that, there's a cumulative value to exercising, right? Like if you go and you work out 30 for 30 minutes a day, five days a week, how many, you know, if you do that over the long period of time, there's going to be what a cumulative value an added up big time value, a big time return. We also know that this would be true with our kids, that if we, we had dedicated time spent with our kids, training our kids or you know, how many know discipline works like this too. Um, how many know in your marriage? Like there's a cumulative value to like going home and spending time talking and communicating with your spouse. And there's, it builds up. It's not like, you know, you, you, you neglect for an hour for, for a year and then you say, I'm going to go and just spend one hour looking at her. And think that like, I just, she's got my undivided, or, or you do that with a big vacation, don't you? You kind of like, you, you're so busy, you're a workaholic, you're gone, 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 you're busy, busy, busy. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to make up for it because I'm going to take that big week long vacation. No, what we do is, is we take a look at the cumulative value of small amounts of time built up over a long period of time. This is true in, in all kinds of different arenas. As a matter of fact, this has become true even, even as like studies and research go out. There's a, 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 an interesting university study, and it basically took a look at piano players. And they took the greatest piano players in the world, and then they took the good ones, and they took just the average plain ones, and they studied mainly the ones that were so talented that they could get into these great schools. And what they did was, is that when they looked at the difference between the great ones, the good ones, and just the average ones, they all realized that they all practiced a lot when they were little kids. But as they got older, the great ones started practicing at a higher, higher level. More time put in, more time spent in. And that literally, at the top of the heap, when it came to the greatest piano players in the world, there was not one anomaly in there. We, we think that there are, don't we? We think that there's these anomalies, these kids that are born that are just... I mean, they were born to play the piano. He's never even taken a lesson. Not at the highest levels. At the highest levels, there was no phenom. There was no idiot savat. There was no just, oh my gosh, unbelievable. There wasn't any. You know what they all had to do? I'll put in the time. And they'd even determine how much time it was. That to become a master of any skill, you had to put in 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is what it required. And this is true of not just piano players. They, they started looking at this across the board and they said, well, well Mozart was like this. They started how many know think we think Mozart was just a phenom and, and he was. But when you look at his life and you track through his life, he didn't produce his greatest work until he had put in at least 10,000 hours. The Beatles were like this. 
The things that made the Beatles so great, and this is kind of weird, but they were, they were given an opportunity while they were just still in high school and young men to go play in these really, really bad places for long extended periods of time. Whereas normally a band would get to go play for maybe like an hour and they just got to play for an hour and hone in their gift. They were in these particular places that of which I will not mention, but they were told you need to, you need to have eight hour shows five days a week. And they were foreigners. They were in Germany, too, in these shows. And so all in their early career, and everybody said they're early in their career, they weren't that good. They weren't that talented. Their stage presence wasn't that great. Their writing wasn't that great. But they had to learn all kinds of music, cover all kinds of different things. They had to go play for a foreign crowd that really didn't even warm up to them. And by doing this for years, they honed in all of their gifts. All the, Bobby Fisher's that way. We think Bobby Fisher, he was a phenom. Yeah, but he didn't become Grandmaster Champion until he put in, guess what? There's a cumulative time that when you invest small amounts of time over a long period of time, you get an incredible value the same way you would. And I'm telling you this when it comes to like your relationship with God, like we talked about this last week, like spending a devotional time in your day with God, that small amount of time over a long period of time creates an incredible value. Church is the same way. I know people that sometimes say, well, I went to church. It didn't work. You came once. I'm not that good. Okay. Here's what I know. If you come to church one time, you will probably not be a better person. But if you determine that church is a priority, you make church and and listening and hearing and receiving the word of God a priority. And over those small amounts of time, over a cumulative amount of time, I guarantee you, you're going to have a huge result at the end of your life. And and here's why we struggle with this, because if you think about it, this there's no value in just one deposit, is there like like. You've never gone to the gym just one time. As a matter of fact, if you go to the gym just one time, it's painful. You're sore. You're mad that you had to go work out and you never want to go again because one time is not worth You have never gone to work after one workout and people have been like, wow, that is incredible. What have you been doing? I mean, like the results are just astonishing. What have you done? I went one time. <laughs> like one trip never does Like one dinner with the family, one devotion, one trip to church per year, one, you know, if you're the Easter and Christmas and you just, I don't know why you're here today, but if you're the Easter Christmas guy and you're here today, yeah, yeah, like that, that, it's a small amount of time. Here's the other thing. There's, there's no immediate consequences for bailing one time. Is there like, if you're a real workout person, like, and you miss one workout, does that affect you? No, of course not. One, you are just so for me. He was like, yes, yeah, it was a no, but so you guys got to really track with me here. Like if you, if you eat dinner with your family all the time and that's a priority and you miss one, is that a big deal? No. And so what many times we do is in our mind, we think, well, if one time doesn't make a big difference, if I miss, then does it really matter at all? And the answer is absolutely it does because there's cumulative value. But also, go to, go to number two, but also you need to know this. Like, number two is this, this is the second thought, is neglect. It works the same way, doesn't it? Like, neglect is cumulative as well. Like, if you neglect your marriage over a long period of time, how many know you're going to have awful results when it comes to your marriage? If you neglect disciplining your children, I, I, I see this all the time, because your kids are great when they're little, aren't they? I have a four-year-old, that's my youngest right now, and oh my gosh. She still just melts my heart, and I just love her, and she does nothing wrong. She's just wonderful. 
and they're great. And I have a seven-year-old, and she's really, really great. And I have a 10-year-old, and he's really, really great. And then all of a sudden, like, every story I ever hear is like, well, yeah, they're great when they're there, but wait till they're 13. Because then, then like, demons come in. <laughs> like, craziness takes over. And so, like, so, so, so I hear these stories about how, like, the, we don't discipline our kids or train our kids all through their formative years, and then we become crazy teenagers. You try to come in with the hammer of Thor to discipline them, and then you wonder why there's a big backlash. It's because there's a cumulative value to doing it over a long period of time, but neglect is cumulative as well. Like, neglect your body over a long period of time, right? Like, just eat everything under the sun that looks good, smells good, tastes good. Just eat whatever you want, never work out. What does that have? It has a cumulative value. There's, the neglect has a cumulative value. Your finances work the same way. Like, don't, don't, don't save, don't put money away, don't whatever. And then we, we see these heartache stories where people get older in age and then they did, didn't do what they wanted to do. And so because of that, they struggle financially because, I mean, you know, finances have the same exact cumulative value. If you invest small amounts of money over a long period of time, you will have what? You'll have a cumulative value. But neglect, again, works the same way. And the, and the worst part about some of the life categories is this, is that some of them have a point of no return, don't they? If you neglect something so bad, sometimes it can get so bad that you can't get it back. Like you can, you can really neglect your marriage for so long that if you have enough negative points in your marriage, that it could reach a point of no return. There, there, and so we never want to get there. We never want to let neglect build up to the point that it, and, and neglect is easy, isn't it? Because you don't have to think about neglect. You, neglect requires no discipline. Right? You never, nobody's ever gotten like, hey, I really, really need, God, I've got to focus on this. I've got to neglect that. I really, this is hard. You know, you, no, you need, nobody has to work hard at neglect. Success stories never come from neglect, do they? You ever heard a marriage situation that was bad? And they said, you know what we did? We just thought, I'm a neglector. That's what I'm going to do. That's my, I'm going to neglect her. And, and you know what? It was amazing. God turned it all around. That was my plan. That was my strategy. Nobody ever says that with their finances. You know what I did? I just I said, you know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to be proactive. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to use wisdom. I'm just going to neglect it. And you know what? It got amazingly better. Have you ever heard a success story come from neglect? No. But neglect is cumulative. Last of these three thoughts is this. Is that there is no cumulative value to the random things we opt for over the important things. Okay, so we talk about like eating dinner with your family, spending time with your spouse, having a devotional time, all, all these things. Do you know that when we don't have a devotional time in the morning, we either sleep in, we get up and read the paper, or we watch the news, or we jump on the computer, or we, we catch up on this, or we go do this. And, we, and, and so what happens is, is that we have a lot of random things that took place of what should have been the consistent thing. Does that make sense? And when you have all the random things add up, you know what you end up with? Nothing. Like, if you add up all the various and random things, they equal. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's say, like, like, like you should be at home and, and make having dinner with your family a priority. But instead, um, you worked late one day. Uh, you went and played golf one day. You went and had drinks with your buddy one day. You went and did this one day. You, and you got all these random things. Now, if you'd have been consistently having dinner with your family, there'd have been a, com- a cumulative value coming out of all that time put in. Those small deposits over a long period of time, right? You would have had something valuable to show for it. But because you replace those with random and various things, what do you get? And, and here's the worst. You don't even remember what you did. Like, really? Come on. Are you all, are you all with me? This is guilt-free. This is all of us, all right? What do you have when you think of all the things that you didn't do 
or that you were doing when you should have been doing the thing that would have really produced value in your life. If you go back and reflect on all those things, what do you have to show for those things? Nothing. There is there's nothing to show for the random and various things that we added when we could have been doing the consistent and valuable thing that would have brought about a great return in our life. Those are the three thoughts. That small amounts of time over a long period of time create incredible value. How many believe that? How many believe neglect has the same cumulative value? We believe that. How many believe that when you replace the consistent thing with the random thing that you end up with nothing? How many believe that? So nobody's blown away here, is it? This isn't earth-shattering, mind-blowing information, is it? This is something we're all aware of. Whether we thought about it consciously or not, we're all aware of it. So what would you do? If you knew your kids just were replacing the consistent things with the random things, what would you do if you loved your kids? Let's put it in God's terms. God is a loving Heavenly Father, and He loves you. And if He knew all these things were true, what would God say? Like, what would God give you? What would God add to your life to say, hey, He would say, you know what? Number your days so that you may gain a heart of wisdom. That's what what He would say. He would say, in the book of Ephesians... Paul gives what is considered the Mac Diesel verse of all verses in the New Testament on time. And that's what we're going to look at. Because if your heavenly father loved you, as I know that he loved you, he would say something to you to encourage you and show you how you might ought to live. In light of these things, in light of the fact that priority determines capacity, what do I do? In light of the fact that there's a cumulative value to the small deposits of time, what do I do? In light of the fact that our days are numbered. What do we do? And this is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. There's just three little verses here that we're going to read. And I want these verses to become kind of like the, the, the bedrock and the finishing touch to this sermon series. Because this is it in the New Testament when it comes to thinking about your time. Are you ready? The Bible says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be careful how you live. Not as wise, but unwise. Like, be careful. But be careful because we, we've learned this, that time is your most valuable substance on earth. Because you can never make more of it, can you? Like you can, how many of you, like you've you ever lost money before? I, I know I have. You've lost money before doing something dumb, doing something foolish, bad investment. you lost money. If you lose money, you can go do what? You can go make more money. If you lose your time, can you go make more time? No, so time is precious and time is valuable. And in light of that, he's saying be incredibly careful with your time. Know that, that we, we, when we don't think about being careful with our time, how many know we always waste what we think we have a lot of? You know when you got a lot of money? <laughs> you go shopping? You, know I mean? you, you, you think you got a lot of money? You're wasteful when you think you have a lot of money. Now, when you don't have a lot of money and everything's tight, you start couponing everything. You start pinching pennies and you start really thinking. You start cutting and, and sacrificing. Like, we got to dial this back, kiddos. Like, we're doing that with water right now, aren't we? Why? Because when you think there's a lot of it, you waste it. That's why you're out there, you know, you know, watering your lawn three times a day because you want that lush green grass. Not anymore because the prices went up and they're telling you to cut back and they're telling you, you can't have runoff and you can only do it on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can't do it on Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday unless you're on that side of the street. And so anyway, you got when you have less of a thing, you have to be more careful, right? You know what you have less of time and you have less time now than when we started just 20 minutes ago. Now, this is this is a good thing that you're here putting a small deposit over a long period of time to get a cumulative value. What we want to avoid are the random various things that end up not being productive in our life. So Paul's saying, be careful because time is time is running out. 
I had an old Bible college professor that used to say this just a message. He goes, we are closer now to the return of Christ than we have ever been. And that's how he talked. He'd be like, wait, nope. Now we are closer to the return of Christ than we have. Nope, right now we are. And we're like, oh, stop it. You are closer, though, to the end of days than you have ever been right now. And so be careful in light of that. And then he says this. He goes, not as wise or not as, as unwise, but as wise. Wise, this word in the Greek literally means to like to scope it out, to look ahead. To scope it out and to look ahead like, what are we doing? What, how do I want to value my time? How do I want to prioritize my time? How do I want to invest my time? Because as I invest my time over small amounts of time, over a long period of time, I'm going to have incredible, powerful results. So in light of that, be wise with how you look at your life. Look into this, verse 16. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. That word, now if you have like a New King James Bible, it says it a little bit cooler. It says redeeming the time. For the days are evil. Everybody say, everybody say, redeem the time. Redeem the time. It, it, it literally is like a mathematical accounting term. And it literally means to make sure you cash in your time for something of equal value. Now think about it. Think about your time and think about the choices that you, you have when it comes to how you're going to spend and invest your time. And we ask yourself the difficult question, does what I'm doing right now, it, it, does it have some type of equal value for it? Am I getting something equal in return? He goes, that's how you make the most of every opportunity. He says this, because the days are evil. Now, I don't know about you. You ever watch the news? The days are evil. They've always been evil. Sometimes people say, well, we're better now than we've ever been. And that may even be true. They're still evil. I don't care how good it is. You go watch the news. The days are evil. And the reason why is because this, we live in a world that is fallen. We live in a world that is corrupt by sin. We live in a world that, that many people and most people are distant from God. And so because of this, we have a days that are evil type situation. And what that in essence means is this, is that your gravitational pull, the cultural pull that you live in on a day to day basis, does that move you towards wisdom? No. It moves you towards wastefulness. Does the cultural pull of the day move you towards pri- priority determines capacity? No, of course not. There is a world that is begging you and pleading with you and trying to get you to use your time and use your money and use your energy in every single thing in the world because everybody's trying to make a dollar. Everybody's trying to get their leverage or everybody's trying to get theirs. And so they're trying to pull you in every single direction in which way. The question is this, is will you be wise or will you be unwise? Will you recognize that the days are evil, that the gravitational pull is always to pull you away from using your time wisely? Verse 17, last verse. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, you know what the definition of a fool is? The biblical definition of a fool is somebody who knows to do what is right or knows what to do and then just refuses to do it. That's the definition of a fool. And so he's saying, don't think about like that. When you, you have been instructed, you've been given the tools, you've been given the wisdom. Don't ignore this. Only a fool would look at this and say, yeah, I don't care. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, I'm going to do what I want to do. Only a fool would look and then just completely disregard it. He says, but this is what we ought to do. And this is where we all are. We ought to know and understand and seek what the Lord's will is because here's the deal. If you use your time to build your glory, you will end up with a insignificant life. But if you will use your time to build his kingdom for his glory, you will find significance and meaning in life because your life is too short to have that big of a meaning. 
Did you know that? Like your life is too small, it's too short to have an eternal difference unless it is connected to his kingdom. So you know what you have to discover? Because many of us, we go out there and we say, what's my will today? Now, we never say that consciously. We think, what do I want to do? How do I want to achieve? How do I want to move forward? What do I want to accomplish? How do I want to get what I want now? How do I want to get for me what I want? And what you'll find is, is that you'll get to the end of life and realize that all the random various things equaled nothing. And the life that you lived in pursuit of your own glory equaled insignificance. It's the worst thing in the world to get to the end of your life and realize, wow, my life didn't matter. No one will ever remember me. I didn't leave a lasting legacy. And the reason why... If you get there, and I pray that you don't, it's because you have lived a life that is detached from God's will and God's plan for your life. But when you, when you seek out and pursue and understand what the Lord's will is, all of a sudden you attach your life and your time to something eternal and to something incredibly significant. So here's the questions. Here's the three big questions that I want you to ask for yourself. Where do you need to begin to make incremental deposits in your life? When you look at your life, and everybody's life is a little bit different. Some of you are single, some of you are married. That gives you guys different things to think about. Some of you have kids, some of you don't have kids. That gives you different things to think about. Some of you have a career, some of you are only in school right now. Because you know education is the same way. If you spent 20 minutes a day per subject throughout your college career, then by the time you get to the end, you get to exams, you know what you're going to have? Cumulative value. You know if you neglect all those things, you know what you're going to have? A lot of stress and a bad grade. Why? Because cumulative value, it builds. The way that your finances, cumulative value builds. The way that you invest your time, that's why priority determines capacity. As you invest your time into that which matters most, you end up with an incredible cumulative value. What are the areas of your life? This is a legitimate question. This is a practical question. This is a question that you should be able to come up with two or three real, solid, write-down answers. Question number two is this. What's your biggest obstacle? What are the obstacles that you face in terms of doing this? Most of us would say it's a discipline issue. Right? Is that fair? This guy real quiet up in this Methodist church. It's a discipline issue. Now, the Bible doesn't use discipline. The Bible uses the word self-control. And the Bible actually says that as you pursue God and as you cultivate a relationship with God, that one of the results of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Y'all remember the song? Love, joy, peace, patience. Something, something, self-control. It's not good. That literally, the, the, the Paul says that your connection to God, the result of it, one of the results, although love and kindness and patience are some of them, at the bottom of that list, although shouldn't necessarily be in any type of specific order, is the idea of self-control or self-discipline. Like at some point, you're going to have to look at your time and determine where your time goes. Because if you don't determine where your time goes, I promise somebody else will. Culture, the gravitational pull, the fact that the days are evil. Somebody will determine how your days are spent. I would say you make sure you determine. And by pursuing God's will, you allow him to influence and determine. What do I do with my time? Your biggest obstacle. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's friendships. I don't know if it's it's your self-discipline. What is your biggest obstacle? Third, last question. What are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do about it? The truth is, for most of us, to fail to redeem our time doesn't just impact us. To fail to redeem our time negatively impacts the people we love the most. You ever thought about that? Like you not redeeming your time. How much does that affect you? It's it's pretty pretty legit. I would say for many of us, when we fail to redeem our time, when we fail to use our time wisely, you know who gets 
the most damage is the people closest to us. When we think about our marriage, when we think about our kids, when we think about our family, when we think about our future, that's where we lose the most. So this thing has heavy consequences. And so in light of that, what are you willing to do about it? And here's what I want you to know. And for anybody that's got enough age on them to look back on life, you can, you can back me up and support this. You'll wish you did. You'll wish you have started now. How many of you have ever looked back in life and said, man, if I only knew then what I know now. How many of you with some wisdom on your life can look back and say, man, if I could. And we do this with our kids. We say, man, if I could, if you would just trust me, I know you think you're smarter than everybody. I know you think you know better than everybody. But if you would just shut up and trust me, that's what you think to your kids. If you just trust me, I promise you. You can't see it now because you think one deposit just doesn't mean anything. And you're right. One deposit really doesn't mean that much. But if you would do a lot of deposits, let me put it like this. Small deposits of time over time, redeem your time. Small deposits of time over time. That's how you redeem your time. And your heavenly father's pleading with you saying, look, you'll, you'll wish you had. You'll wish you had. You'll wish you'll, you'll get, I promise you'll wish you had. And here's my encouragement for those of you who may feel like you're a little bit older. Listen to me. There is hope in this reality and this fact. It is never too late to start right now. It is never too late to start right now. I don't care where you're at in life. You can begin now with this principle and begin to redeem your time. This is how God wants you to live. And so in light of everything that we talked about, let me just make it real, real clear. Be careful how you live. Don't be unwise, but be wise about it. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but actually pursue and understand and seek after the Lord's will. If your heavenly father loves you like I know he loves you, he would plead with you to say, hey, Redeem the time. It's the most valuable thing that you've got. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that, God, that you would help us, Lord God. I, I, I pray no guilt or shame would walk out of this room, God. God, we've been liberated today. We've been given instruction today. We've been given some freedom today, God, for whatever mistakes that we have in the past, there is forgiveness in you, God. And so we pray that today it wouldn't be about the past, but it would be about the decisions that we make today and the steps that we take tomorrow and how we shape and mold the future that we have ahead of us. So, God, help us as your people redeem the time. Help us, God, to prioritize so that we can have more capacity. God, help us to redeem the time because the days are evil. God, help us to put away the small amounts of time over time so that we might redeem time. God, help us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, we pray that this series would be more than just a three-week blip on the radar. But God, it would be for some of us something that defined the rest of our life. And it could be the turning point. It could be the strategic inflection point that said from this point forward, it just changed because I I began to look at my time differently. It was not something that I had an endless supply of. It was something that was numbered. It was small. It was a stewardship. I would not have it forever, but I was given it for a small window of time to see what I might do with it. So God, help us to be good stewards of our time. Help us, Lord, to redeem the days. Redeem our time so that we can love you and build your kingdom and know and seek and understand your will. God, that's our prayer today. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, give me a good amen. 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 Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?